So I text the worship team this morning to be finished at 1020 because today is the spaghetti lunch. Yes. So I'm going to finish at 11 sharp. And if I finish early, you guys are real lucky. You you can get an extra plate of spaghetti and stick around. I don't know how much we have. But uh, I'm really excited about this morning. I think, you know, I've had a couple individuals come to me saying that last week's message really touched home. And uh, that's my goal. When, when I'm putting these messages together, I'm looking ahead and I'm praying for God to continue to reveal to us what it is he wants us to know about us, who he is to us, and how we can have better relationship with him. And so we're in a series right now. It's your turn, right? Why? Because it's still your turn. It is your turn. This year you're going to level up. You're going to rise up at least minimal one notch in your spiritual belt. Is everybody got it? That was a confident yes. I like it. Does everybody understand what that means? Is that your goal for this year for yourself? I don't think you come here every Sunday to just listen to me rant. Well, this year I've been praying and I'm claiming for it to be your turn. I'm not worried about it being my turn. My turn's getting taken care of. I want it to be your turn. When tasked to do with something, but when tasked to do something, do you have an I can or an I can't attitude? I can make it happen. I can. I can try. I really, 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 really want to. Okay, but let's be real. Let's keep it real. How many of us have an I can't attitude? Because anytime you say I can, it's going to put you in a place of discomfort. Because anytime I ask you to do something that you're not doing, it's going to be a new task. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And a lot of people just avoid it with, oh, let me pray about it, Pastor. I'll get back to you on that. Which is your nice way of saying, let me give you some time to tell you no. I'm kidding. Sometimes you come back, yes. But listen, your pastor, he likes an I can attitude. I don't know if you've noticed that about me. An I can attitude speaks loudly. It speaks action. It speaks, I trust God, and I am confident in my abilities. Now I ask you, are you an I can or an I can't person? I can. Thank you. Because if you say I can't, you are in agreement with, I don't trust God, and I am not confident in my abilities. I think a lot of us can relate to that in certain areas of our life. I think we can. And last week we talked about, last week we talked about Samson. We talked about his (laughs) overconfidence. He was overly confident in the fact that he was just going to have grace and mercy in everything he did. 
all the way up to the point where it says the Lord had left him and he didn't even know it. Right? You remember that? I, I sent you all home last week thinking about that. What would that feel like? What would it feel like to, to say to yourself, before I realized that the Lord had left me and I didn't even know it? Scary, man. Well, today we're going to look at a similar story. We're going to look at some different points. So with that in mind, like I talked to you about being confident in your abilities and trusting God, it shouldn't be hard to tell you what an I can't choice plan looks like. You know when you fill out your insurance and you choose the I can't choice plan? Because the I can plan looks too expensive. You're like, I can PPO. No, I do. I, I can't HMO choice plan. Right? Because I want somebody else to manage my care rather than myself. Because I'm not confident in my own abilities. It was a weird metaphor, but I think it worked. Moses had an I can't attitude. Do you recall? I said Moses had an I can't attitude. He wasn't an I can't person. He had an I can't attitude. Multiple times he pleaded to God when God called him and said, it's your turn he said he was not the right guy for the job. I'm not good with my words. Remember I pointed out all the things that Moses could have said was wrong for him to be the guy. I already killed an Egyptian, I'm wanted. I'm 80 years old. You've sent me out here in the desert, God, and I've been building a family. You want me to leave them behind and go and save the people who didn't want me to save them in the first place? Because it was his own people who made the nasty, snide remark about him killing the Egyptian. He had plenty of reasons to tell God, I can't. I don't want to. But he was the right guy for the job, wasn't he? Moses was obedient to his calling. He stood up against Pharaoh. He led the people out of Egypt. He built the tabernacle, etc., etc., I don't like to use the word but, I like to use the word however. However, however sounds better. Management people, you know that. We don't like to use but, we use however. However, later in life, he disobeyed God. And all that good work he did, All that, all, that, all that obedience he did. Remember, we think we're just so obedient. 17 data boys saves you from one wrong, right? That's how we look at life. That's how Samson looked at life. That is how Samson looked at life. I've done everything I've been asked to do, and then some. Right? Later in life, he disobeyed God, and his disobedience, what? It prevented him from entering the land of promise. What does that mean, Chris? He didn't go to heaven? Have you, have you read, I would say, the book of Revelations? That's not what it's called. It's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. There's no S at the end of Revelation. But you call it Revelations. You know, Revelations, I'm like, right when you say that, I'm like, stop talking. Can't even call the book the right name. 
in the Revelation, at the end, it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the... Where are they going? New heaven, new earth. Maybe God's going to make a choice which one you go to. You ever thought of that? You ever read that far in your Bible and questioned when you read that? And you went, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? Because then God taught, because then Jesus said there were others. He said, blessed, blessed are they because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now there's a separation in the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. Not from one of his apostles, not from one of us. From Jesus. The same guy who claims in the Revelation, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I died and was raised to life. That guy, Jesus, he created a separation there. Later in life, Moses disobeyed God and his disobedience prevented him from entering the land of promise. But we all know he's not in Hades, hell. He won't be cast into the lake of fire at the end. But on his life here, he didn't enter the promised land. I love this. I've been do, I've been, this has been my thing for a very long time because of fitness. I love the connection of physical discipline and spiritual discipline. They speak a lot. They really do. What's one thing every single human being fears no matter what? Death. Great answer. That is the only answer. Some of you are afraid of heights, some of you are not. Some of you are afraid to drive, some of you are not. Some of you are afraid of roller coasters and some of you let go of the roller coaster and you go hands free the whole time because you wanna feel like you're gonna be thrown into oblivion. But you all fear death because you're all afraid of the unknown. So when I point that out to you, how do you take care of yourself physically if death is the ultimate demise? Do you eat good? No. Huh. Do you partake in things that you put in your body that would not be healthy for you? Do you exercise your heart so that it beats as many years as it can? So if you don't take care of yourself physically, how do you expect to take care of yourself spiritually? The physical is all you really know, 100%. You got that down. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I woke up today. I know that's real. It's the other stuff you question. But you act like you're all in here on the stuff you question, but your lifestyle here says you're not. You see that? I've always interacted the two. 
so I put this in my notes, just to give you an example. We're going to talk about confidence, and we're going to talk about trust. I'm competing in two meets this year. One was last month, and the next one is in September. Chris, how do you prepare for those meets? Great question. I have a coach. Why do you have a coach? You know so much about fitness. Because I still have to be led. I follow the plan of a coach. I do not follow my own accord. I will tell you why in a minute. I build up, I tear down. I build up, I tear down. I build up, I tear down. That's all I do until meet day. Build up, tear down. Build up, tear down. Read, pray. Read, pray. Read, pray. I have no idea what I'm going to do on meet day. Do you know why? Because you don't get better testing your strength every week. I'm a strength athlete. I don't get to see how strong I am until one day over an eight-hour period. And the rest of the year, I don't get to display, see, or show that or know what it is. It's a hidden gym. You get better by building up and tearing down constantly, not by testing yourself. Meet day is the only day you test your true strength. My coach sends me the openers, which I give the day before. He gives me my seconds and tells me what my thirds can be. Lowest, highest. These are weights I have not touched. He gives me these numbers based off his evaluation of my performance. Trusting somebody to lead me. Trusting that somebody who knows what they're doing is leading me the right direction. My coach is the super heavyweight, number seventh ranked in the world, period. Dude was 350, weighs 240 now. It's probably going to take a long time for anybody to beat his records. To this day, he's still ranked number seventh in the world. I listen and trust him because he's done it. Are you vibing what that means here? Okay. So I have to make a choice when I read what he tells me. Do I trust him? And do I have the confidence to do this? I can. Says I trust God and I'm confident in my abilities. Do I trust him? And am I confident in my ability? I will give you the answer. Usually it ends with double L, but it's heck yes. Yes, I do. Under the guidance of a coach, I've never failed a weight on the platform. When I was my own coach last April, I failed my third bench. 
Get it? Under a coach, I've lifted weights I never imagined I would lift, and I did not fail. Who do you trust? Now, when I go to those meets, I confidently walk up to the bar. I confidently walk up to the judges' table. I tell them the next number, and when I walk up to the bar, I know it's going up. No matter how hard I have to fight it, it's going up. How hard are you fighting this journey? Who do you trust? Who is your coach? Who is your coach? Do you trust God? Do you trust this place is where God planted you to build you? Do you trust that? Do you trust this is where God placed you to confidently use you? Because God believes in you and God believes in your abilities and God wants you to do that too. So, let's take a look at the life of a man who was not confident. Okay? He made his own decisions constantly. He was his own coach. This guy did all kinds of stuff his own way. And what were the repercussions of his actions? That's what we're going to look at. It was his turn. And he was God's chosen guy. But let's, what, let's look at what happens because he was not confident. And he didn't trust God. 1 Samuel 9, 15 through 21 and 26 through 27. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. This isn't any random person. This is God telling Samuel the prophet, I am sending someone. Someone I have handpicked. Who? Handpicked. God. Handpicked. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines. Funny, when they went to war, you know who rescued them from the Philistines? David. David. But he was leading the charge. So, it's not wrong. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. Handpicked. Right up in the lineup. That's the guy right there. The six foot five gentleman, head and shoulders tall above everybody else. Him. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer. Samuel replied, go up to the place of worship ahead of, ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago. 
for they have been found. How was he able to do that? Because he was a prophet and he was a seer and he spoke a truth that Saul needed to hear to believe him and trust him as the coach. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hope. I love this. This is where Saul says, tell me the number, I will go lift it. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Verse 26. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up! Rise up! It's time that you were on your way. It's your turn. So Saul got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send the servant on ahead. After the servant was gone... Samuel said, stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. Moving along, getting you out of here by 11. Verse Samuel 10, verse 1, verses 5 through 12, and 17 through 24. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because... The Lord has anointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Who picked and chose Saul? God. Who picked and chose you? A good answer. Good answer. Verse 5. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre. And they will be prophesying. Prophesying. I love this because it sounds like Samson's story. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. And you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. Saul was really bad about stuff like that. We're not going to get into that, but I'm pointing that out to you. Saul was really bad about that stuff. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? What? Is even Saul a prophet? 
How did the son of Kish become a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? How did the son of the least important tribe of the least important tribes begin to prophecy? How did somebody that we consider nobody begin to prophesy? And one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? I don't know what Kish was or about, but obviously they were derogatory, making defamatory. They were defaming him. Defamation of character. That's what I'm trying to say. So that is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? Verse 17, later Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, get this, you guys. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt. Miracle after miracle after miracle, I have done things for you and showed you who I am, and I've showed you I'm your God. Listen to what God says here. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, declared. I brought you from Egypt, and I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued... God doesn't say however. He says, but... But, though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel, 12 of them, before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. This is my best part. I can. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? Who is the guy? What happened to the king you gave us? Where did he go? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. Remember, everybody traveled there. He's hiding among the baggage. That's their king, full of confidence. So they found him and brought him out. Get out here, dummy. Come on. They're looking for you. Come on. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Not thank you, God. Not long, not, not, you know, long live the Lord, no. Long live the king. 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14. This is where all Saul's lack of confidence, mistakes, catch up to him. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. God brought you off the street, 
brought you to a church. You heard a message of salvation. You accepted Christ. You came to the front. You may or may not have started speaking in tongues when the Holy Spirit came on you powerfully. But, if you have a lack of confidence in your abilities and you don't trust God, this is what can happen to you. But now your kingdom must end. I chose you, I, I picked you, I handpicked you. I had the prophet speak things that would show who he was as a prophet. I anointed you. The Holy Spirit came upon you and you began to prophesy. I made you king over all Israel. Yet you disobeyed me and you didn't trust me after that. But now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. We all know who that man is. We'll be talking about him next week. But now... Your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Let's get into our notes. You guys notice I didn't do like numbers and outline it that way? I just bullet points, guys. Bullet points. Bullet points. I think I spend more time trying to put the bullet points together than what I want to talk about. One day you're going to get a blank piece of paper. You'll be like, what happened, Chris? When I was going to church in the 60s, I used to take notes. Yeah, now you actually get to take notes, not my notes. Just kidding. Let's look at this. God called Saul to be king of Israel, right? I'm, this is the stuff you got to take home with you. Then God gave Saul a new heart. Do you remember that? You will become a changed person. How changed are you? Are you changed and still disobedient? Are you changed and still have a lack of confidence? I can, I can't. Which one are you? A heart in which he would begin to prophesy. That's powerful, you guys. That is powerful. Imagine if you've been coming to church for four years and then all of a sudden you had this miraculous, explosive moment with the Holy Spirit that you knew was supernatural and you begin to prophecy. You came up here, you start speaking in tongues and, and then you go out into the streets and then you just kind of fade away like, ah, okay, God, you're good. I understand what you want, but <laughs> I'm the king now. I'm the king now. Even though he was called, he always remained unconfident in his calling. Are you confident or are you unconfident? Saul was unconfident. He hid among the baggage, you remember? He hid among the baggage. When Samuel introduced Saul to the people, he hid among the baggage. Did we put that up? Yeah. He hid among the baggage. And now, I'm going to get to the best note. This is what I want you to take home, these next couple things. 
This lack of confidence in God, amongst other character flaws, character defects, whatever you want to call them, prompted God to remove him as king. Now my key takeaway is really going to hit you in the heart. And take this one home all week, Mike. I'll see Mike tomorrow and he'll be like, dude! Don't put it up until I'm done reading it. Thank you, my friend. Key takeaway, guys, key takeaway. If we continue to lack confidence in our calling, God may decide to replace us. Ouch! Why would God do such a thing? Well, he did it with Saul, the first king of Israel. Why wouldn't he do it with you? Let me ask that question one more time. Why would God replace me in my calling? Because he did it with Saul, the first king of Israel. Why wouldn't he do it with you? If we continue to lack confidence in our calling, God may decide to replace us. Do you want to be replaced? No. Mm -mm. That's rough. Your prayer for the week. It's actually not in the notes. Pray that God gives you that confidence so that you don't get replaced. Pray that God fills you with the confidence to keep his commands. What is the greatest commandment of all? D's got it. D wins. There were 10 commandments, 10 of them that the people were under, and a whole slew of other rules. Read Leviticus and Numbers, okay? A whole slew of rules. But there were 10 commandments to keep. And when Jesus was asked, remember who I told you Jesus was? When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all, teacher? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you keeping his commands, or do you want to be replaced? Because Saul didn't keep his commands, and he was replaced. And Jesus told you what the two greatest commandments were all. And he said another statement. He said, if you do these two things, you fulfill all the commandments. If you do these two things, you fulfill all the others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? That's right. Your neighbor is the person sitting next to you. Your neighbor are all the people living on your block. And your neighbor is that man standing there in the Walmart parking lot with a sign after nine weeks who's in the same spot giving you the same look because he's hungry. He's your neighbor. Do we fall short 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Pray this week that God gives you the confidence to trust in him, keep his commandments, so that he doesn't replace you. Okay? It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our church, Lord. I thank you for your time with us, Lord. I thank you for this message that you provide with us, Lord. I thank you that you put these things on my heart, Lord, to speak about, Lord. I thank you for your truths, Lord. I thank you for the essentials of your word, Lord God. I thank you for who you are as our Father, our Savior, our Lord, our God. As, Tom, as Thomas said, my Lord and my God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I lift up this church family to you. Build our confidence in the abilities you've given us, Lord. Help us to become a yes, Lord, person. Help us to just say, yeah, I can do that. I trust my confidence and I trust my abilities. Lord, I pray that we do not get replaced. Lord, I pray that we do not get replaced like Saul did. Saul was completely removed from his position as king, and I pray that that does not happen. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.